Recess. I think back on that period during the school day so fondly, recalling the football games, races, and the ability to just be during the school day. Recess was a good time for me and many others, but I look back now and wonder how many of my peers had a hard time at recess for a variety of reasons. There's the gendered element of schoolyard play, or at least what I remember of it, where girls did one thing and boys did something else. Then there's the personality component where the students who were most outgoing strived while the shyer, more introverted ones perhaps suffered in silence. In this episode, I'm joined by a couple of colleagues to talk about how they experienced recess. After the conversation, I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Sohoi Lee, who will offer her thoughts about the conversation. Enjoy. Back in the studio, sounding all official. I'm not on Zoom today. Uh, and I also have two guests, which I have done a couple of times on the podcast. And today I'm joined by two colleagues here at Phillips Exeter Academy, Sylvia Gerard and Jeff Ward. And um, on the surface, it might seem as though they don't have a lot in common. It might just be that they have these two things in common that I'm thinking about. Might be more, but we're not going to have a full-fledged conversation to figure out everything they have in common. But what I do know right now is that I'm a little bit self-conscious, honestly, um, because they are both scientists and I suddenly feel very dumb, (laughs) not intelligent. One's a biologist and one is a chemist. I feel like I'm about to start a joke. A biologist and a chemist <laughs> walk into a bar. Yeah. So anyway, nerd alert. So yeah, I'm that here. Would be a joke. <laughs> no, I don't have a full-fledged uh, <laughs> joke worked out just yet. Maybe by the end of the episode. But um, thank you for joining me. How y'all doing today, Jeff? How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you, Hadley. And you, Sylvia? I'm doing well. Thank you, Stena, for the invitation. All right, thank you. And see, um, Sylvia referred to me as Stena because she knows. <laughs> On the podcast, I go by Stena and not that other name. <laughs> all good. All good. Um, so going forward, Jeff will refer to me as Stena. Okay. All right. So first question to you, Sylvia. How do you identify? I identify as a cisgender woman, mm-hmm. able-bodied, <laughs> Latina immigrant from Colombia, married, uh, mother of two kids. And you, Jeff, how do you identify? identify as a uh, white male uh, father, husband, teacher, part-time radio DJ of many other things, but those are the ones that come to mind. I like that you did that there um, because you listed some social identities which are broader in nature and you listed a personal identity which is more personal and unique to who you are as a person and said you are a DJ. Part-time radio DJ. Yeah. Part-time radio DJ. Okay, all right. What kind of music do you like to play? Uh, progressive rock, progressive metal, 
um, and kind of anything else that tickles my fancy. I'm not familiar. Put me on. What what are we talking about here? So my favorite band of all time is Dream Theater. Okay. Um, kind of the in the musical family tree, they kind of fall on the Yes Rush Genesis type uh, side of that family tree, and along with current bands like Haken, Periphery, Arch Echo, and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. So when you said progressive rock, I'm like, oh, social justice music. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it, it, in, in certain aspects, yes, because yeah. it's not, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're not social justice warriors, per se. Got yeah. you. Okay. All right. And you, Sylvia, um, you also listed some personal identities in there. Can you run them back, please? Married and mother of two. What about your personality? Talk to me a little bit about your personality. Let me think about this. I guess a more pointed question to you is, do you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert? Depends. Okay. Um, I, when I was growing up, I was pretty shy and introvert. But then after you know my adulthood, I guess I get to experiment with being an extrovert sometimes depending on my mood depending on the language that i'm speaking sure uh, and the company that i'm having yeah that just depends on many factors so the setting changes whether or not absolutely got yeah. it and there's a term you used before we recorded you said that you're more of an ambivert yes got it and an ambivert is a mix of the two yeah all right you can adapt depending okay on, yeah. i hadn't heard that term before today so thank mm. you mm. and you jeff D despite my current profession as a high school teacher, I consider myself to be an, an introvert. I like my my alone time and my personal time, but if you put me out in front of a crowd, I can I can be who I need to be in that moment. Okay, all right. You just mentioned that you're a high school science teacher, and I'm going way back with school right now. I'm thinking about recess. The genesis of this episode started with. Sylvia and I having a conversation about how we experienced recess growing up. And so I was the gregarious sort who was athletic and you put me in the schoolyard and I was suddenly like one of the captains picking who I wanted on my football team. And I was racing other people or if I wasn't racing or playing football, I was teasing the girls. Yes, I was one of those. I was annoying, <laughs> believe it or not. Whereas you, Sylvia, said you did not experience recess in a way that I did growing up. No, I did not like recess. Okay. For me, it was a very, um, like an anxious situation. I, I just did not like it at all. Yeah, no. Why, why not? I think uh, it, has, it had to do with the kind of people was in my school. I went to a school that it was, um, if you put your kids there, was because you want them to have a free thinking experience instead of like religious or anything. So... And the school wasn't that expensive. So I went with other kids that the parents wanted to have the same experience, yeah. but the money was not an impediment for them to go. Got it. In the in the school, we had kids from very different uh, socioeconomical background. Yeah. So I went with students where um, very wealthy families, e either like it can be money from uh, legal or illegal businesses. Uh -huh. So <laughs> the disparity was so big. Hold on. Did people know that some people came from illegal money? Like that was known and it was cool? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it, it, I come from a small town 
there is no way somebody having a job nine to five will have a helipad in their yard. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> okay, all right. And we're not going to um, name the small town and country you come from so that we can protect you, right? I like, mentioned already I'm from oh, Colombia. But not the town. You didn't say the town. <laughs> oh, it's a small town. It's, uh, yeah. Okay, la, 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 la. Don't say the name of the town. All right. So if you had a helipad in, on your property, that was a tell that maybe you were dabbling with something. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. Right. But also, you, you, I went with, to school with kids that were, their parents are perfectly hardworking people who are, were very wealthy also, but... Um, it's just you see the difference in the class was just too big. I guess in that, around like what, middle school, that is sixth grade up, you start leaving your family experiment or trying to get acceptance in other groups because you're just being a little bit more independent from your parents. Yeah. And then you are trying to look for acceptance yeah. from other peers. Yeah. And I couldn't really find my, my crowd there because mm. it was just so different to me so i was just hanging out in the classroom and not doing anything at recess i hated it <laughs> gotcha. what, yeah. what did you do at recess instead of being out running around being gregarious just i have probably a couple of friends who did the same to oh. me they probably didn't feel connected with anybody so i just go down to the cafeteria get a potato chips back and just go upstairs and eat it that's it hmm. i know <laughs> what about you jeff how did you experience recess well, I, I got a, a different experience. I grew up just outside of Boston, and the, the, my elementary school was literally the next block over, so I'd walk to school and walk home. Hold on, pause. Um, did any families have helipads? No. Their, no? <laughs> no, no. Um, it was your, your last name either started with an O apostrophe or uh, some Italian-sounding last name. I got you, okay. Um, and uh, you, you texted me this, this question, and I, I, first of all, I can't remember my, my elementary school days. Uh, so. Okay, you're not that old, stop it, hold on. Your last name is Ward. Yes. It's not O apostrophe it's or not. something Italian-sounding. Well, but Ward is an Irish oh, I didn't know that. type name, although my, my mother's side is 100% Polish, my grandparents emigrated from Poland, and my dad considers himself a mutt, Okay. Where I got probably every every European place background got type it. thing. Okay. All right. Continue, please, um, about recess. Yeah. And so when you text me, I'm like, I, first of all, I don't remember my elementary school days. However, given what I remember of what the, the school looked like in the back, there was a typical late 70s playground, slides, jungle gym, you know, wood chips. Um, and then the asphalt with, you know, the dodgeball or kickball, not dodgeball, sorry, kickball bases on there. Um, and like I said, I don't remember anything extraordinary about about recess, but... Do you remember whether or not you liked that period of time, whether or not you looked forward to it? Um, I look back with kind of ambivalence. Yeah. Um, it was neither e either way. High school was, was different, um, but elementary school is, is kind of a, a blur in terms of, of that. But the, it was a, what you consider a typical if there's anything like that, um, yeah, American kid growing up in the seventies recess, you know, the bell rings, it's the best part of the day besides lunch and art. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. My last question for you along these mm -hmm. lines, did you connect with people easily in elementary school? Like in school, uh, did you find yourself making friends pretty easily? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think the contrary. Um, and it, uh, I didn't go to a, I went to a public school and like I said, it was in the neighborhood school. So it was everyone around the neighborhood and Got the, it. the neighborhood, um, was very 
racially and faith tradition somewhat homogeneous. Yeah. Um, if you go to that town now, it looks very, very different. Sure. Um, but so, I mean, we knew each other before school, after school. Um, it wasn't like a, um, a commuter school where you just see people at school. They were, you'd go to school with them and they go home and, and, you know, play with them in the yard of a popsicle and the ice cream man came by. So understood. You said homogeneous. I say homogenous. Which one is correct? I buy homogenized milk, but as a scientist, it's a homogeneous mixture. Ooh, one of okay. those, one of those contradictions. Like I can feel what it means when I watch the news about what Fahrenheit is. But if I go in the lab and you say heated to this Fahrenheit, I will have no idea what that means. I have to know that in Celsius. So it's my bifurcated scientific personality. Okay. You said bifurcated scientist. Uh, binary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Understood. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do you cringe whenever people say homogenous? Am I like off on that? It, it, again, it depends the con the context. It, anyway, let's define tomato, tomato. Uh, got it. Although I've never met a person who says tomato. I know, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so homogenous for the listeners out there who are wondering what that means or homogeneous. <laughs> um, it means essentially the same thing. The elements are the same in a particular setting and heterogeneous or heterogeneous. No, I've he never no, heard anybody no, 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 no. say heterogeneous. Heterogeneous only is one. Yeah. yeah. Heterogeneous is a little bit more diverse. The reason we started talking about recess when this matter came up a couple of weeks ago is because as a parent, um, I am a little bit concerned and thinking about that period of the day for my child who's a little bit more introverted and she's having some issues uh, where she's not easily connecting with her peers. Interestingly, she's more scientific oriented. <laughs> Uh, she, uh, enjoys, uh, coding. She wants to do research. She's nine years old and has all of this figured out in a way that I didn't at that age. But, um, I find myself a bit frustrated because I want the teachers to intervene more, to make recess this experience that's both organic and also planned in some ways. Like there are activities that the less outgoing kids can do if they find it harder to connect with the more outgoing athletic students. But that's not what teachers do during recess. I know I wasn't checking for teachers during recess, but as an adult now, I wonder if teachers should intervene more with the recognition that personalities vary in a schoolyard. And so Sylvia, for you, did teachers get involved much with recess or was it totally organic? Yeah, no, nobody got involved. Unless you there was a fight or something like that, but yeah, they let the kids be. Um, yeah. In hindsight, do you wish they got involved more? And if so, how do you wish they shaped the schoolyard experience? I don't think I would like that because mm. I would feel like, oh, you're mothering me. You know, mm. I was there to figure it out myself, and I think I did a pretty good job. I mean, I I don't regret like, oh my god, I went to get just the potato chips and I feel, no, it's fine. I, I still keep friends with that people, with my, my two close friends in, in, the, in the classroom. To be honest with you, now that I see my, co my classmates, I was like, oh, you know what? They were not interested in it. You know, like there were nothing cool about, I didn't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine. But you don't think the experience could have been slightly better? I mean, I'm not looking to change your answer. I'm really just probing right now. Um, mm -hmm. You don't think the experience could have been better in the schoolyard if the teacher recognized, well, you know, every day Sylvia and his friend goes to the classroom and they just eat their chips. 
Maybe if we brought a Scrabble board out here or, or, or we'll chess be, or ask them. We'll be good at Scrabble. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good at Scrabble, by the way. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm sure both of you are scientists, um, know all those fancy words. But um, anyway, going back to the question, if you could go back in time, do you wish teachers would have been involved a little bit more? No. Okay. What about you, Jeff? <laughs> I, I kind of have the same experience where they're kind of like the, the playground monitors, you know, make sure that everything is within reasonable bounds. Um, and I, people will kind of find their group, yeah. um, maybe a little more scaffolding, but I've found as an adult, especially working at a school that forced socialization never is, never produces good results. Sure. Um, and as you were asking those questions that Sylvia was talking, I'm, I'm thinking of my high school experience where the, you know, you've got the, the different breakfast tables, you know, you got the jocks, the trying to use all my John Hughes eighties movies, the dweebs, you know, the metal heads, the shop kids, the band and the drama yeah. where you, you find your group and you just kind of, you know, fit in and find people that are, are kindred spirits that way. Um, but I mean, I'll, for me, recess was a time just to blow off all the steam that were sitting in the classroom, you know, learning these lessons. And um, it, to me, it was looking back for the memories I have, it was kind of just a safe space where if you wanted to sit and just watch the birds fly by, you could, if you wanted to play kickball, if you wanted to climb. So, so both of you are telling me right now that I've become quite softy essentially, and that I want teachers to curate the experience in recess so kids don't have hurt feelings. Is that what y'all are telling me? You're saying that yourself. <laughs> We're not saying anything. <laughs> no, I mean, so um, going back to my experience again. So I'm gregarious or I was gregarious, athletic. Um, when we played football, for example, I was usually the quarterback or wide receiver and I caught touchdowns or threw touchdowns. And I remember vividly some kids standing along the wall, boys, um, because they weren't as fast and they couldn't really contribute to the game. And I wonder when I think about those um, individuals, I wonder what that did to their self-esteem. Could they have noted that Timmy's a little bit withdrawn? How can we uh, work with Timmy to connect with other students in the yard who might not be playing football? Maybe he can start a different game, but doesn't have the conf confidence to do that. So recess has an opportunity to like build certain social skills. You still don't agree with me there? No, yes, I agree with you. Okay. Of course, that's a, but that doesn't mean that all social skills are the same. Mm, like okay. you may have a, a, um, you know, social skill doing sports, and then the kid that is in the corner may have a connection with you in the art room mm. or in other or in the school bus listening to music or something yeah. like that. Not all the um, relationships and, and should work in the same way and all developing at the research space, in my opinion. Got it. Where do you come in on this, Jeff? Yeah, just be able to provide opportunities, whether kids take advantage of it, like the going along with what you were saying about, you know, you being gregarious and outgoing and, and sports and all that. I mean, that's, you know, this kickball. Yeah. Or, you know, if you just wanted to sit and get some tactile stuff, there was the sand pit or just, you know, seeing if you could do the, um, uh, the monkey bars or, you know, just running around and, you know, teasing the girls and playing tag or whatever. Um, as long as for me, I, I wouldn't, again, working in a, the school that I do, 
again, forced. I've had bad experiences with trying forced socialization. Sure. Um, but being able to provide opportunities for everyone to find something to do. And as teachers get to know students, they'll, they'll know the baseline. And if, if little Timmy decides that he wants to sit and ponder his navel the entire recess, yeah. and as they do all year, that's fine. But if Timmy's playing kickball and all of a sudden is sitting by themselves, all of a sudden, that's when I would intervene as a, as a teacher. But I, I guess as, as, as a, as a scientist that I've found the greatest education when things have failed. When I talk to parents of, of current students, I say, we let students fail. Yeah. Not a lot. And they'll, they'll walk through their time here at the school that I'm at and probably never notice the teachers with all the safety nets around them. But if they don't have an opportunity to fail, then they'll never learn, um, in, in my opinion. And so giving them that opportunity and, and, I guess the the best social experiment is the is the playground yeah. during recess is yeah. providing opportunities obviously for kids to be safe but then to do that kind of experimentation where they learn not only about themselves but then how to uh, and the larger community and creating that community um in the playground and not everyone's going to be the jock and not everyone's going to be you know thinking in their mind the next great american novel and providing spaces for all of them. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, it does, it does. And I'm thinking about what comes out of being gregarious and less gregarious in this space like the schoolyard. So because uh, Stena is out there scoring touchdowns and is able to make people laugh and whatnot, Stena's getting invited to birthday parties and other gatherings, whereas Timmy, and by the way, there was a Timmy, I'm sorry, Timmy, if you're listening, <laughs> I didn't say your last name though, Timmy, um, but like Timmy might not get invited to the events and to the mall and so forth. Um, and so I have an advantage and then that advantage gets played out and maybe I'm saying this the wrong way, bear with me. This is my more colloquial self coming out here as an adult. Um, I've been able to navigate the professional world and along the way, make pretty good money because I am outgoing and am willing to um, advocate for my needs and connect with people and grow my network to learn about opportunities. That started in the schoolyard, I would imagine. Um, and even before the schoolyard, but I got to hone those skills in the schoolyard. Whereas Timmy, if he's never given any sort of guidance or pushed in a meaningful way, he uh, evolves over time as an introvert and uh, there are consequences to that. By the way, I was listening to a podcast before this conversation, um, and the pod in the podcast, I learned, not surprisingly, that extroverts make more money over the course of their lives than introverts. Did y'all? Did y'all know that? No, but I can imagine. Okay. Yeah. And it all started with the teachers, right? The teachers should have done better. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I. This is kind of outside of the scope of what we're talking about, but I, the kids in my on my street were either four years older than me or four years younger than me. Yeah. So when I got of age, where again this is the late seventies, where my parents would say, "Okay, be home before it gets dark," I would have no qualms and be perfectly happy walking down to my town center, going to the movies by myself, yeah. or going shopping by myself and walking home. Later, when I discovered I had my Walkman with me, so I had my could bring my music. You had a what? Me. Yes, I'm old. 
I'm no, a, no, go ahead. Say that again. You a, had a what? A Sony Walkman. All right. The yellow one with the waterproofing, oh. you know, AM, FM. AM, FM with the TV band so I can oh. listen to TV. So. Okay, hold on. Did you have to flip it and fast forward in order to rewind it on the other side, if you know what I'm saying? So my parents were cleaning out their basement and yeah. gave me a box. Of, oh, this is yours. I said, no, it's actually my brother's. And my eldest daughter found a cassette. And you should see the look of wonderment when she found yeah. the Walkman with cassette tape. She's like, well, how do you find a song? And yeah. it was it was it was hilarious. Hilarious of yeah. just her giggling uncontrollably. Anyway, so um, I, I consider myself to be, I think, socially well adjusted. Yeah. But I, I'm like the exact opposite of what you were describing. Is I went to a, um, a high school, private high school, where I'd have to take the public transportation. I was in Boston, so I took the T yeah. both ways. Had my Walkman on, no problem. When I got my car, I would you know drive in, perfectly happy. Um, and it kind of frustrates my wife a little bit because with the current position I'm at and the school I'm at and she hears of a policy or something that she doesn't agree with, she gets frustrated because I'm like, well, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And she's like, well, no, you need to email somebody about that. I'm like, I don't want to be that person. You mm. know, I'm not, my parents said, my parents not teach me he who yells the loudest wins. Oh, okay. Um, and I'd maybe that's, yeah, my parents or just me and my and my uh, personality is being uh, an introvert but it's not the teacher's fault whatever teachers <laughs> uh, teachers don't want to claim responsibility here but but, but you're, you're indicting you're yourself then. You're, you're, hey i'm not a teacher i am an administrator i am a mentor i am not a teacher here we are face to face a couple of silver spoons hoping to find we're two of a kind making a go making it grow together all right all right okay i'm done i'm done oh my goodness <laughs> people know i always gotta drop something old school something 80s in these conversations and i just had that opportunity with um with jeff and so here i am on that wavelength but in particular I was singing the theme for Silver Spoons because um, that's what came to mind when I thought about people who have helipads um, oh. at their cribs. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I have never, ever seen somebody with a helipad at their crib. So, Hoy, did you have a helipad at your place growing up? I did not. And I know I did not know anybody who did. I love how you're trying to cover Sylvia <laughs> to make sure she didn't mention her town. Yeah, yeah. Don't get in trouble. Don't get in trouble don't for that. Don't tell one. him. But anyway, how you been? Good. Good. It's yeah. nice to be back. It's been a while. We haven't recorded in a bit, but we're back and having a bit of a different conversation. I wanted to get under the hood, if you will. And by that, I mean, um, we're generally talking about identities that people can see. And in this case, I wanted to get under the hood and talk a little bit about something that we generally don't discuss, which is how we are impacted by our personalities. Mm. And um, specifically, I was just talking to Jeff and Sylvia about how they experienced recess growing up, how they were advantaged and disadvantaged in that setting. And I'm wondering what your thoughts were on that conversation. What were your takeaways? Gosh, so much. And, you know, again, I'm reminded um, in listening to this episode is, you know, I, I kind of know both of these colleagues um, professionally, and there's a lot that I learned just by listening to to this episode. And we have such missed opportunities on a day-to-day -day 
basis of really, really getting to know one another. So I appreciate the chance to get to know them. Um, You know, what the takeaway was is here you are, you have two self-proclaimed introverts um, being interviewed by you, an extrovert. Hold on. One of them is a bit of an ambervert. Amberverse, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. An yeah, ambervert and an introvert. She can adjust, right? And then I think Jeff was a flexibert because he said, like, it depends on the setting. But continue, please. Sorry. Yeah, but the two of them, I think, at the core would say that, right, they are more on an introversion side of the spectrum, suppose. Um, and they're very, very success, successful individuals, right? And you and I probably fall more the extroverted side of the spectrum. And we're successful too. And so I, I think even though there are statistics out there that might suggest, you know, being extroverted will give you more leg up in life and in certain careers, I think it's important to know that it's, um, it's more about knowing who you are, knowing about your personalities, what makes you click, what makes you thrive, what you need to be successful. And that should be the focus rather than um, trying to categorize it or label oneself and thinking, well, if I'm not that, then how do I become that? Um, rather than, well, what about for me? What, what works for me? And I think that is a much more important and productive conversation than to look at what other people are doing and trying to do what they're doing as if it's going to work for you. Does that make sense? It does. But can you clarify that a little bit more, please? I'll be more concrete. So I'm an extrovert. Um, and... I have a husband who is a rather introvert um, and he and I kind of fill our cups, if you will, in different ways. I really need to socialize. I need to engage and just be with folks and shoot the breeze and laugh. And that's just kind of how I am. Um, And with him, he would be so content being out in the woods, hiking alone um, and just kind of be by himself. And that's where he finds his kind of peace and joy and and fill, he fills his cup. When we're together, we're able to connect and kind of meet each other halfway, of course. Um, and then now, and, you know, so I think we've learned as a couple to do, to dabble a little bit, like he dabbles a little bit more social stuff with me now yeah. that, you know, I'm his life, I'm in his life. And he's taught me the beauty of being quiet. <laughs> Hold on, total assumption here as the extrovert, like, did you see him and say, yo, I got to get with that, dude. You should interview him. This is really a funny conversation. Yeah. Um, no, he approached me. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I played hard to get for a long, long time. Right. Um, Hold on. What's a long time? What's a long time? Like a week? Santa. No. Uh, no, months. We knew each other wow. for three years before we started dating. Okay. And when he started to express interest, I think it was a good six months or so before I even thought like, What's this kid doing? But okay. um, and it was his silent confidence that got me. Oh, right. Yes. So that's a whole other episode. But um, but what introversion works, it works really well for him, right? And how extroversion works for me, it works really well for me. And now we have children, <laughs> right? Um, and so you know, my son is more like his father, so he's more on the shy side, he's more on the soul to warm up, more introverted. And for me, that's hard. It's hard for me to understand that. Like, just go say hi. Just go and introduce yourself. Go, go, go do your thing, yep, right? Yep, yep. And for him, he's it's it doesn't come naturally. And so I'm having to learn to slow down 
and to kind of meet him where he is and try to understand um, why he enters social situation very differently than I do, but not in a deficit model. Like I'm not trying to push him to do my way. Yeah. I'm trying to understand his way. And then, you know, does it, does, does your way work to get you what you want? If you want to get, you know, if you want to meet a friend, okay, well, what are different ways you can go and meet a friend? It doesn't have to be my way, which is, hey, come over, let's have lunch. Let's like, you know, yeah. do our thing. But for him, it may be like you start by sitting next to them or by offering a book to read or, you know, offering um, to share a, an activity. It's just more of a subtle way where I'm more in your face. And by the way, before we continue here, um, here I am assuming that um, every listener is a regular and they know what's going on right now. So at the end of my conversation with the featured guest, I bring on my friend and colleague, Dr. Sahoy Lee, who offers her professional insight as a licensed clinical psychologist. I felt like I could benefit from bringing on a professional perspective to um, further inform the conversations that I have with guests on the podcast. And so um, back to the matter at hand here, I'm thinking about how um, advantages and disadvantages are conferred on people based on their personality. In this case, if you're outgoing versus more shy in nature, and we we're talking about the schoolyard. You drop a bunch of kids in the schoolyard, you have them just kind of play. There's no intervention on the part of adults. There's no skill development that precedes recess. And so what happens as a result? Little Timmy hates recess. <laughs> Timmy, my bad. I, I keep speaking your name, but nobody will know who you are. You know, I'm interested in this matter of how people of various identities have advantages and disadvantages conferred on them. And in this case, thinking about how personality plays a role. And I'm just saying that I think we could do a little bit of a better job of incorporating our shyer brothers and sisters um, and individuals to help them um, get the most out of different experiences. For, for instance, even an interview, I feel um, advantages a person who's a little bit more outgoing and outspoken. Um, and so that's why I'm interested in having this conversation, because I think we could do better by a variety of personalities. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think, and again, both of the guests said, said this, right, that they adapt to the situation. And I think as you have more lived experience, you realize that there's certain situations that you got kind of have to bring in, right? And there's certain situations you, for me, as an extrovert, I've learned that in certain situations, I need to dial it back and do more observing and less talking. Like I've had to learn to adjust for myself. So I do, I do think that it's important to learn those skills of when to step in and out of certain modes. But I think if we're thinking about um, the starting point, the starting point has to be, in my opinion, getting to know yourself and getting to know what works well for you and not feeling pushed to be somebody you're not. I don't think the goal should be let's, let's draw the shyer ones out. Yep. Right? That's a dangerous message, especially to give to young people, right? Instead, I would rather there be multiple opportunities during recess in the schoolyard. Yes. People can go to where they're more naturally drawn. So it doesn't have to be four square. That's what I was drawn to. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, baseball. It doesn't have to be basketball. It doesn't even have to be tag. Um, it can be, let's all sit down and read, or let's all sit down and, you know, draw... Uh, 
do chalk art on the ground, or there needs to be multiple opportunities so that other people, everybody can be their best selves. Unproven theory here. I feel like recess looked the way it did for us because extroverts conjured it. So if a person who wasn't as outgoing envisioned recess, I think they would have designed it in the way that you just talked about. But what I don't think I paid attention to what the quieter people did. They probably had a good time too. I don't know. It would have been the Timmy way. Timmy did not have a good time. He didn't. Listen. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, we're going to have to interview Timmy. But I think I was so busy focusing on myself and that I was having a good time that I don't know what the others were doing. But it is important to know that there's not one way to do recess. I'm going to give you actually a quick story about Timmy. This is becoming uncomfortable for folks. They're like, yo, stop. Timmy and I played on the same basketball team. And um, my coach called me over during the game, put him in later in the game because he wasn't one of the better players or one of the guys who played a lot. And the coach called me over and said, hey, I need you to get Timmy two points. Somehow, some way, I need him to score. Can you help him get a bucket? And I did. He got two points. I set him up nice, gave him the little dime in the lane. He laid it up. Timmy was thrilled. I know he remembers that. Um, but I'm talking about in this instance, coach saw a situation and said, listen, the young man needs a little bit of assistance. How can you help him out? And that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. And even in professional settings, listen, as much as I am an extrovert and outgoing person, I don't love networking events. When you just drop a bunch of us in a room and you grab a drink, I, I got scripts in my head at this point. I'm like, this is how I'm going to enter. This is how I'm going to exit. Nobody teaches you how to engage in that space. Why? Because I think the people who conjure it automatically assume, hey, everybody's going to be good. We don't need to do anything in here to make sure that this is a redeeming um, situation for everybody. Yeah. So I think as educators, we need to be we need to be better, right? We need to be better at making sure we have a lot of different opportunities for different people and that there's just not one way to do this school or one way to do this class. In case you missed it, this episode was essentially about inclusion. My interest in having this conversation stems from a desire to get educators to think about how to account for different ways of being in a particular setting intentionally. Embracing difference requires that we make space for variety beyond words. I also want to add that even though a particular study shows that extroverts make more money over their lifespan than introverts, earnings should never dictate our collective compass. What that study says to me is that we overvalue one way of being over another. Special thanks to Sylvia, Jeff, and Dr. Lee for having this conversation with me on the podcast. The Sound of Children playing at the start of the episode was brought to you by Zapsplat. And shout out to Eric Schultz for producing the theme song for this podcast. Finally, please follow the podcast on Spotify and or Instagram. Until the next episode of Identity in Me, keep reflecting. Identity in me. Identity and me